Do you have aspirations to be a leader in your business or organization? Welcome to Leadership Stars with your host, Linda Patton. Each week, we feature true leaders recognized in their fields who provide insight and ideas in creating a strong team and how you can become an effective leader. Now, here is Linda Patton. Welcome to today's episode of Leadership Stars. I am so excited to have my guest on today. And she, I have a quote from her that I think is just magnificent. She says, who hasn't signed something for someone else? Not with intent to commit fraud, but to save time, solidify the transaction, or because they were asked to sign. I know as a married couple, I do this all the time with my husband. We sign documents back and forth. For parents, we sign forms for our kids. As professionals, I don't know that I ever did this, but I can see signing contracts for their clients. Have we lost the ability to choose the harder right versus the easier wrong? And my guest today, Holly Pazut, is going to tell us all about that and how leadership fits into all of that as well. Welcome, Holly. It's great to have you here. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm excited to to have the time to speak with you, Linda. Well, I've been looking forward to this and... It, it, it's been a big, big want for me to have you on the show, and I'm so glad we were finally able to make that happen. Um, so, Holly, <laughs> would yeah, you really? Yeah. It was tough, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, your schedule, yeah. It was, it was, it was, and well, you travel a lot. Yes, I do. I do. I'm yeah. having a great, I, you know what? People think traveling is like glamorous, especially mm-hmm. the ones that, the ones that don't travel think, oh, that sounds so glamorous. But, you know, it. as you know, I, I think you travel a bit too, don't you? I travel quite a bit, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, it's and, tiring. It's exhausting. It's more exhausting now than it ever was before. I, I can tell you that. Um, I've traveled pretty extensively since the early, the late 70s, early 80s. And, you know, and I'd be gone like three or four weeks out of the month and um, all of that. And, you know, you'd leave on Monday, you'd come back on Friday. And yeah, that's it's, a lot. it's exhausting. Um, yeah. And especially if you're on stage, like for you, right. you're on stage a lot. I was in training programs. And so you have three days with these people and your energy level is just, you know, by the thir- third day, it's like, oh, my God, I don't think I can actually put two words together and make them make sense. <laughs> That's that's like me every day, but, <laughs> but I just came in from California last night, and I'm on the East Coast, and so I was there for two days speaking, and, you know, just like you said, your energy's up, you have to eat right, you know, you have to get good sleep, and I exercise and take care of all the other things that you're taking care of throughout the day, but, you know... I, I, I flew in, I went to sleep, I got up, I spoke, I went to sleep, I spoke, and I flew out. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's just, it's a lot. And then you come home, and I'm so wound up, I couldn't go to sleep. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, and I, I used to travel a lot to New York. I was in New York, like, twice a month for five days, actually. Um, so I'd come in on Sunday night, and I'd leave Friday night. And... I would do things like I'd go to a play. So I, I saw Patti Limpone and, and Manny Patimkin do Evita. And we go out to nice. dinner as a group. And I'm going, how did you have the energy to do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know? it makes, 
Yeah. Well, it's, life, it, life is different. And I want to say that the tra- flying is different, you know, with the whole TSA thing and, you know, the, the smaller jets and the closer seats, you don't have that any sense of space at all. You feel like you're in a cattle car. Yeah. Well, yeah. I will say one thing. I was in the middle seat mm-hmm. both all, the whole time. Everybody was so polite, was so nice. When I got on the plane, I was trying to put my baggage, you know, up, you know, on the overhead compartment. Uh-huh. And I had I had several men jump up to help me. And I started to ask myself, are they helping me because I look old and helpless? <laughs> <laughs> You don't get to say that, Holly. <laughs> and I thought, well, you know what? I said, you know what? I'm go ahead, please knock yourself out, put it up there for me. I, you know, I was thrilled. I thought it's nice to know, you know, that chivalry is not dead. So I was okay with that. It's just badly wounded, right? <laughs> oh my, oh gosh! Listen, <laughs> let's just hang up and go out and talk, Linda. <laughs> I think that would be a great idea. Yeah. Um, so, Holly, uh, you have a very interesting background. Would you mind sharing with the audience, uh, you know, sort of how uh, thumbnail sketch as to how you got to where you are today? Okay, thumbnail sketch background, and I'm going to keep a little bit of uh, leadership in there since this this is really what what we're interested in absolutely you know um i was let me phrase it like this you can kind of picture because everybody knows somebody like this i was the captain of the cheerleading squad i was the homecoming princess i was voted most athletic and you're starting to get the picture yeah i I, I was very popular in 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 high school Mm -hmm. and I did very, very well. My mom and dad were very supportive. I had a great life. I went off. I went to college. I went to Florida State University. After I graduated, I, <laughs> after <laughs> what we just talked about, I became a flight attendant. Did you and, really? Yes. And, and I, I, I couldn't stand it. And then, um, I, oh, then I opened up my own aerobic studio in California. And I started to... I guess I guess you could say I was really branching into the entrepreneurial world, mm-hmm. and I think that if you're if leaders, do things like that. You know, it's just a little bit instinctive. I just was itching to do something on my own, and I did. And then I continued that path later in life. I left that, sold that, and then I became a real estate agent years later. Because I had children and I wanted to call my own shots. I wanted to be able to attend the football games, the basketball games, the cheerleading events, the school plays. And I thought, well, what profession can I go into that I can create my own schedule and I can make as much money or as little money I would be responsible for it. I wouldn't have corporate America raising my quota and lowering my ceiling because I was in that world at one time. Mm-hmm. So real estate is, you know, having children, it was a good, real estate was a good fit for me. So you want me to go on and tell you? No, I actually I want okay. to ask a, a couple questions around this. Okay. So um, you are, you are exactly the opposite of me. Not, not oh, yeah. no. Um, I was not a cheerleader. I was not in homecoming princess. I was not voted most athletic or popular. 
Um, I was that that um, that high school student who was the brainiac. I mean, basically, I, I was all in my head, and I would hide. So I hid in the uh, we did the newsletter and the yearbook. And I spent most of my off time in there, which I think is very interesting. Um, I did go to college, but I went in the military. I think you know that. Um, and because I wanted to uh, lead people. And I mm-hmm. thought, what better place for a woman to step into leadership r- sort of right off the bat is as an officer in the military. And it right. was. It worked, right. it, it worked really, really, really well um, for that. And I was I was really kind of amazed, and all of a sudden it became popular, which was also very interesting. So um, a whole different uh, setup. I'm also interesting. You say, and I'm I'm sure you you experience this, that in real estate you can set your own schedule, and that you can go to football games and basketball games and all this good stuff. I have real estate friends now who are working like twenty four seven. Has it has it shifted since you were in real estate? No, no, I, I, you, you have to set your boundaries. It's my office. I decide when I go, when I stop, you can check what voicemail is for. That's what mm-hmm. email autoresponders are for. You have to, you know, a, a doctor, a lawyer, maybe not so much a doctor, but bankers, accountants, they're, they're not expected to answer the phone 24 seven. And I held myself to the to the to a high regard as well. So that's how I, I ran my business. Okay, so audience, you heard her that as entrepreneurs, we are not available to our clients twenty four seven, no matter <laughs> what they think. Um, rather, and I and I honestly think that your clients um, value the fact that you say, "No, I'm sorry, my office closes at five o'clock or whatever it might be. I am not available." Um, I will get to it first thing in the morning as soon as I get in the office. Mm-hmm. I, I really think they they value that. They grumble about it, mm-hmm. but they do value it. Um, my husband's having a challenge with that right now. As I told you, he flew to Columbus to be with my our, our children. And last night, he had a huge, one of his cases sort of almost blow up. Um, and so he's working here until 8 o'clock at night. And I'm going, so what happens tomorrow when you're not here? He goes... Somebody else will have to figure it out. Right. Well, you know, I think you made a good point that I think your clients can value it. But as long as they, if you set the expectation, so Mm -hmm. some realtors, I would say, or entrepreneurs, they may set their clients' expectations that they, you know, they call them on Saturday and they're emailing them on Sunday and so forth. I had basically got to the point where, I did not work at all on Sunday. And I told my clients right up front, I said, that is my family day. Mm-hmm. And they did. They had a lot of respect. Well, I think they have a lot of respect for the fact that you, you're, I'm, I'm, taking, I'm taking this time for my family. It's mm-hmm. that important to me. Right. Well, you as my client are very important. My, my family is equal, priority. if not, yeah, if not greater priority than you are. And so Sunday right. is, is sacred. That's and, right. Whatever day it is. And yeah. that's why I became an entrepreneur. Not so I could have everybody run me. Mm-hmm. It was because I wanted to be in charge of my schedule and be able to make as much money without a ceiling. So that's really what drove me into it. And I think all the grooming from back in the high school days and college, you know, I was kind of more of your natural born 
leader and mm-hmm. And, you know, and I had been doing it. I had been in the out front, you know, center stage for so long. It it felt very comfortable for me. And there was sort of an expectation that because of the roles that you played in high school, that you would be a leader. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah. And, you know, my father was a West Point graduate. Was and he? So, yes, yes. So, you know, I really was his son. I was his <laughs> first. I really, I was his firstborn child. And he was extremely athletic. And I was the one that he was, you know, I was at the tennis courts early in the morning. He made me starting blocks for the track meets. And I had chin-up bars in my backyard. And, I mean, literally, my muscles were bigger than most of the guys that I went out with. (laughs) (laughs) And he probably had better moves than they did, too, right? (laughs) Oh, yeah, baby. (laughs) Okay. That's awesome. So did obviously he had a, a full career as military, yes? No, he did not. He regretfully, I can't stand that he says he has regret. I don't want anyone to have regret. That's yeah. a horrible thing. But he just, he cannot shake it. He's 88. Ooh. He, he, he wishes he had stayed in. Yeah, he, he, was, he was swayed to get out when he married my mother. Her mm. father, her father said, what are you going to do and work for the man? Get, go into business. Get your own business. Because he had been an entrepreneur. Uh-huh. Well, my, my dad did that, and he was not a good entrepreneur. He, he be, you know, became a corporate man and goodbye military. Mm, that's so sad. My, my husband's family, you know, with a, being at a patent, um, was at the point from uh, when it started, when, when they uh, opened West Point, to my husband's father's generation. Um, there was always a Patton at West Point. Um, and we do have stories about the George Patton and then our George Patton um, at the point because they were there at the same time. Oh, wow. And, and my husband's, my husband's father's uh, generation all had asthma or huh. other health issues and so couldn't go. And it broke the oh, chain, and it was it was just enough that the boys in my husband's generation went through ROTC and went through the reserves as opposed to being regular army, and so my sort of like your dad, my husband said, "I will not marry you as long as I'm in the military." Huh. And I think he had heard enough stories from his dad and his grandfather about raising a family in the military that he didn't want to have anything to do with it. So he got out, went back to school, became a lawyer. And, you know, that was history. As, as soon as I got out, he asked me to marry him. So it was, it was very, very interesting. Yeah, a whole different setup. And I've been an entrepreneur for 32 years now. Mm-hmm. Which is just, you know, I got, I got tired of the... Uh, mergers and acquisitions, losing your job, right. um, having to fire people because there wasn't a position for them, and all of that. It was just, it was too much. I just said, nope, I'm going to do my own thing, and here we are today doing my own thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, Holly, to prep us for the second segment, um, you had something horrific happen to you mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur. Could you share sort of a thumbnail sketch of, of what happened? Sure. Um, I was targeted by the FBI and later was charged with conspiracy to commit mortgage fraud and money laundering. 
I was sent to Alderson Federal Prison in Alderson, West Virginia. I was sentenced for 21 months. I served 13 months. And then I was released and went to the halfway house. And I had a year of probation. Today, I'm fully released. Um, no restitution. And it was, that's what happened. Now, how and all the intricacies, that's where the story is. That that was the craziness. But um, it, it's, it's been a rough ride. But, you know, here I am. It wasn't fatal. That's <laughs> basically what happened. That's that's the good thing, that it wasn't fatal. Um, no, were not you, at all. Um, did you have kids at that time, or were you? Yes, yes. Huh? I, it, it was perfect timing. My kids were all out of the house. They had all gotten on their own. They were checked out of the home. They were young adults, and my kids were extremely courageous. And it was heartbreaking for me to see them so sad, something I couldn't fix. Mm-hmm. But we all survived it. That is awesome. Um, and we're going to talk some more about that and what prison is really like. Because um, we all know orange is the new black, right? <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is amazing. I'm, I'm working with a client who um, has some contacts within the prison system as well. And she's, she tells me some interesting things about what it's like to be a visitor and, and that kind of thing. I can't, can't imagine what it's like to be an inmate. But anyways, audience, I want you to think about um, some of the things that we've been talking about as far as entrepreneurial worlds. Have you set the boundaries that you need to be able to not be overwhelmed by the work that you do in such a way that you're exhausted, overwhelmed, burdened, and just really hate doing it? And we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Have you left your corporate or military career to start your own business? Are you frustrated that you're not seeing the success you expected as an entrepreneur? Let leadership expert Linda Patton show you the key skills and mindset you need to engage your team, build your influence, and create the thriving business of your dreams. Linda Patton understands the challenges and frustrations facing a new business owner. Drawing from her own 40 years of experience in the military, corporate, government, and entrepreneurial arenas. That's why it's become Linda's life work to help women like you truly become the world-changing, extraordinary leaders you are meant to be. Are you ready to step in, step up, and step out into leadership to create an exceptional business and life? Start by scheduling a free 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at Dare to Lead with Linda.com. That's Linda at Dare, the number two, leadwithlinda.com. Linda Patton draws from her four decades of leadership experience and her heartfelt passion to show women how to lead, dream, and create what inspires them. Her signature training programs and workshops will guide you through the key skills you need to own your leadership power, build your resources, plan your path, and take the actions that will translate your vision into reality. Start by scheduling a free, no-obligation, 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at daretodreamwithlinda.com. That's Linda at dare, the number two, dreamwithlinda.com. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Leadership Stars with Linda Patton. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Linda at daretoleadwithlinda.com. Now, back to Leadership Stars. Welcome back to Leadership Stars. And I have a phenomenal guest on is it today? And that's Holly Pazut. Um, she's a widow. She's a single mother of three adult children who we were just talking about. And she's a grandmother. Um, <laughs> she's a nationally recognized real estate agent in a booming market. And we're talking about something she said yes to that landed her in federal prison. Um, and so, Holly, welcome back. Thank you. Um, and this, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, this is going to be a good, good segment, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we sort of ended it with, you know, was prison like the TV show Orange is the New Black? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm glad you, oh, sorry. I, I, I just, I didn't expand on that very much, but that is the most, most asked question that I get. Is it anything like Orange is the New Black? And, you know, I just want to say there are some parts to it that, are a little bit, but mm-hmm. overall, not at all. The, the 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 pain and the suffering that I saw women go through, I don't. That doesn't really come across on Orange Is the New Black. Not not to me anyway. And I think one of the sad things is I I know I had a candidate for um, attorney attorney general for Alameda County um, on the show several months ago. And she was, she was sharing with me before she actually was on the show, some of the abysmal conditions Mm -hmm. in like the County jails where, you know, you're not meant to stay there forever. Uh, and unfortunately you do because of prison overcrowding and everything else. But she was telling me that, you know, they had four person cells that they had 12 women in that there were other thing, other conditions that were just, I mean, you would think that we were in primitive times where you didn't have a, a, a bathroom kind of thing. It was it was just, it, it was scary to hear this. And yet these women were um, incarcerated in those kinds of conditions. I gather the prison you were in was not like that. It was not like that. And there is a difference between jail and prison. So mm-hmm. if someone is in the county jail, I would imagine, it. you know, it's pretty tough. Mm-hmm. Luckily, fortunately, I, I was not. I was sent to federal, which is the government. The government, you know, takes care of this prison, so to speak. It's under it's under the um, the bureau, and it was it was clean. We cleaned it. All the you know all the jobs that are done there are all inmate driven. Right. But you know there are rules and regulations. But um, you know pretty much we had some freedom in and free time that we could walk around the compound and we could walk around the track and and move where you mm-hmm. don't really have that ability if you are in a jail cell. Right. Okay. Um, so who did you trust in prison? 
that I learned, I learned that I really couldn't trust anybody. Uh, I really couldn't even trust the guards. I really didn't feel comfortable that as if I could trust the counselors. I had some incidences happen that I realized that um, I had a, I had a guard, guard or instructor. I don't know what, what she really was. And she told me one piece of information and I went to the place where she said that I could go to get my pills and that they were going to stay and issue me the pills, even though that time had, had already expired. Mm-hmm. So they, they were waiting for me. When I got to the pharmacy and said we were running late and I was told I could come up here to get my pills, the pharmacy said nobody ever alerted them. So they would, they would not issue me my pills. And I, you know, really needed this medicine. And I was very, very scared. And I explained to her, and she knew that I needed it, but mm-hmm. she said no. And I said, I know that the lady called, but you're telling me she didn't. The problem is, is that you cannot argue with anyone who has the keys. Right. Whoever holds the keys has the power. So I learned that I can't, tr- I don't know who to trust. I don't know, is the pharmacist, you know, is she right? Is the person who said to go, was she lying? I don't know. And, and same with inmates. You can't, you don't really know who anybody is in prison. You can be anybody you want to be mm-hmm. in prison. And there were people in there that had some great stories. And I kept thinking, you know, I don't even care if their stories are true or not. They're, you just can't get entertainment like this. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> God, please entertain me. I'm bored out of my mind. Right. So I, I learned I, I had to trust myself. I, I, You know, even family. I love my family. I have no reason to distrust them. But I would hear like, one child would say this about the other child and the other child. You know, I'm like, okay, my gosh, I can't do anything about it. I'm just going to lean on myself and God. That's where my trust was. I think that's very powerful um, to learn to trust yourself and, mm-hmm. and that, that inner knowing and right. to trust spirit uh, right. and, and to let all others you know, go, go the way they go, you know, right. especially if it's not something you can do anything about. Right. I had so little, I had so little control mm-hmm. of, of much that I really honed in on controlling my own thoughts because nobody could take those away. And, you know, that's, that was part of that. That was a wonderful journey for me. I have to say, I, I, I'm, I'm thankful that I got to do that in a strange way. <laughs> Let's not get carried away, Holly. Yes. It's like, would you like to do it again? No, I don't. I don't. I'm good. <laughs> I learned the lessons I was supposed to learn. Uh, oh, yes. Yes. You know, there, there's so much that you hear and see about, you know, people smuggling in cell phones and money and cigarettes and all sorts of other stuff, you know, like whatever you want, we can get for you kind of thing. Uh, and that you just have to be smart about it, that you, you know, like you don't, you know, like you don't show the cell phone to your, your prison guard, you know, if you really are right. interested, you know, is that true? I mean, is there this really black market operation that runs in prisons? 
Well, I did not see anything in prison, to be very honest with you. I, mm-hmm. I, I did not observe it. Now, it could have been going on, but maybe, you know, it was just shielded from me. I wasn't a part of any of that. Okay. So, so I guess if you're a part of it, you know, you have a story to tell, but I really don't. The only thing that I can say is when I had to go to the halfway house, see, when you leave a federal prison, you don't just go home and, you know, show up in the, you know, at the kitchen table with all your family and friends. You, from federal prison, you have to go to a halfway house. And wow. that's even, that's even worse. That was worse. I thought, please, let me just stay in prison and do my halfway house time in prison. It was, I was, I did not like it. It was horrible. And I was in there with about, you know, I don't know, 60, 60 men were in there as well. Yeah. And, and only eight women. So mm-hmm. anyways, as it turned out, you're not supposed to have a cell phone there. Yeah. Do you know that they all, not all, that's an absolute word, but many, many, many had cell phones. And I was scared and I didn't, I, I did not break the rules. I'm too petrified to do that. <laughs> I was afraid. I was like the best felon. I mean, I was like Miss Congeniality. I was on top of it, but I did not want to have any problems. And so my biggest fear was that somebody was going to throw their cell phone underneath my mattress mm. and then I would get busted for it. Right. Yeah. Right. So but thankfully that did not happen. Oh, that, well, thank thank goodness. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. So what were some of the lessons that you learned being in prison that you'd like to share with the audience? Wow, I learned so many lessons, so many lessons. What my, my journey was, I wanted to understand why. Why I had said yes to something that was really very stupid. And I even, I even prayed to God. I said, God, please don't send me home asking that same question. Mm. I said, because I will be in prison forever if I never get to understand why I said yes. You know, I had a great life. I was a very, very high producing real estate agent, lots of friends. I I loved my life. I used to tell my friends I want to sleep fast because I couldn't wait to get up and go to work the next morning. Wow. So I said yes to, and it goes into a technical area of real estate, which, you know, really most of viewers probably could care less, but I said yes to something, had I, which he asked for a referral fee, and and, and I, I, I told him I couldn't pay him a referral fee, and then he said, well, it's really more of a consulting fee. I got my head twisted around, and mm-hmm. I paid him, I paid him this consulting slash referral fee. I kept it in my file. And that was the first thing I did that I should not have done. Mm-hmm. So, so what I learned was I didn't do this for fraud. I gave him money. I didn't even know he was committing fraud. I had had no reason to commit fraud. But the lesson I learned was why. And I learned that I had some codependent type of um, behaviors. Uh, Codependent meaning I basically put myself in harm's way at the risk of helping someone else. And I I, I didn't need to do that. But why did I do that? I didn't want to disappoint them. It sounds very, it sounds bad, but you know, you can be a leader and still find yourself on that slippery slope. Well, yes, you you find find yourself on the, on the, um, the disappointment. So who did you disappoint when you were a child? My father. Mm. My father. The one I really wanted, you know, 
I didn't I didn't grow up and do all the things that he told me I ought to do. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I, I do. Have you ever heard anything like this? Somebody will say, well, why do you ask me? You never listen to me anyway. Oh, yes. I used to hear <laughs> that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You never that, listen to me. Yeah. That's not very motivating. That's not very inspiring, you know, but I'm so far out of I, I, I'm so removed from hearing those negative things in my head now. And I probably, I'm not going to do everything everybody tells me to do. Uh, there, there's no way. Why should I? I don't even have to. Uh, but anyway, I landed up. That was one of the big lessons that I learned. And, and I did some, I also was a bit of a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. And I go, in, I go into a lot of that when I am teaching or when I'm speaking. And I share these critical thinking errors is really what it boils down to. And, and I tell the audiences, I said, you know, I made the decision to share my story. I said, not because I enjoy standing up here and sharing my critical thinking errors with you. I said, but here's the, here's the rub. You got to brace yourself. Leader or no leader, everybody has critical thinking errors. We all share in some of them. But people don't want to talk about them because they think it's a sign of weakness. I think it takes courage. And I think that's that's the flip side of leadership is being able to talk about the things that don't make you look good. Have that conversation. Run towards the fire, not away from it. Absolutely. And what I think is maybe even more scary right now is I'm not sure that the, the children in this generation are learning critical thinking skills. I doubt it. I had to go to prison to learn some of those things. I mean, you know, we all do it, Linda. We all justify. Mm-hmm. We, all, we all do silly things. And we don't always listen to, you know, our intuition or that voice. Um, and I, I didn't feel good about doing what I did. Mm-hmm. But he had asked me, and I said I would. And when he sent me the invoice, I thought, geez, I was hoping he would forget about it. And then I got myself in a real mess. I said, he really he really expects me to do this. And so, you know, which was stupid. Yes, but we all make stupid mistakes now and then. The question is, do we learn from them so that we don't repeat them in the future, exactly. right? Right. Mm-hmm. That's what my mission was. So. Learn. Um, are you getting any pushback from being so vocal about this? Yes and no. The people that I've, I've said, I've, I've read some things online and people want to make a judgment. They don't know me. They don't know the intricacies of the case. The case was over like six years old, over a hundred oh. people. It was extremely complex. I don't even know the intricacies. I only know my my little role in it. So I am so far beyond that. And, you know, not everyone's going to love you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. Again, I know whose I am. I know who I am and whose I am. And you've got, I just got to muster up, you know, that, that pull yourself up by your bootstrap kind of attitude. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm not, I'm not, I, I can be a little controversial for some people, but the majority of the people, 
receive a lot of value in what I say because they can they can see themselves in some of these incidences. Well, and, and Holly, I think there there's a a real message in everything that you're doing, and the fact that here's here's a young girl who comes out of a, a very I want to say blessed high school college uh, early work environment. I mean, you're you're highly successful people. I know I would have looked at you and went, wow, she's really, you know, she's somebody that I, sh- I could look up to and to have this happen. It's like, okay, let's look at that and the lessons that we've learned. So audience, during this break, what I'd like you to do is think about when you've stepped into something, you've made a critical thinking error and you go, oh my God, why did I do that? And how did that change your life? And we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Have you left your corporate or military career to start your own business? Are you frustrated that you're not seeing the success you expected as an entrepreneur? Let leadership expert Linda Patton show you the key skills and mindset you need to engage your team, build your influence, and create the thriving business of your dreams. Linda Patton understands the challenges and frustrations facing a new business owner. Drawing from her own 40 years of experience in the military, corporate, government, and entrepreneurial arenas. That's why it's become Linda's life work to help women like you truly become the world-changing, extraordinary leaders you are meant to be. Are you ready to step in, step up, and step out into leadership to create an exceptional business and life? Start by scheduling a free 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at Dare to Lead with Linda.com. That's Linda at Dare, the number two, leadwithlinda.com. Linda Patton draws from her four decades of leadership experience and her heartfelt passion to show women how to lead, dream, and create what inspires them. Her signature training programs and workshops will guide you through the key skills you need to own your leadership power, build your resources, plan your path, and take the actions that will translate your vision into reality. Start by scheduling a free, no-obligation, 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at daretodreamwithlinda.com. That's Linda at dare, the number two, dreamwithlinda.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Leadership Stars with Linda Patton. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Linda at daretoleadwithlinda.com. Now, back to Leadership Stars. Welcome back to Leadership Stars and my guest, Holly Pazut. Um, Today, Holly is recognized as a top 100 keynote speaker for 2019 by Data Bird Research. And she is a published author of a book called The Strange Path to Freedom. 
That's an interesting title, Holly. We didn't talk about this before, but tell me just a little bit about the book. Okay. So the book is called A Strange Path to Freedom. Mm -hmm. And the backstory is that because my case was so long, my attorney had advised me, you know, not to talk about it. So (laughs) that's that's kind of hard. (laughs) For six years? You weren't supposed to talk about it for six years? Yeah, pretty, well, pretty much, you know, my circle of friends really was my family. I didn't like, you know, tell the world about it. I didn't post it on social media, things like that, just to be very careful. So I, I did. Well, but during that time, I felt like I'd kind of lost my voice. Mm. You know, I mean, it was it was difficult. And after, while I was in prison, I physically surrendered to prison. Right. But I had, but I had not mentally surrendered. I was still fighting. I still didn't think I should have been there. I, I felt wrong. I felt all these things. But then, as I started learning, that a lot of my errors were for foolishness and just stupidity, but really not for fraud. But I, I want to talk, I'll tell you a little bit about that in a second. Mm-hmm. During that time, I started to live a new way of thinking. I started to see prison through sort of a different colored lens. And I was glad for that because I learned to be so much more objective and less judgmental and more rational and less irrational. And it really, I I thought to myself, you know what? I feel free. And I was in prison while I felt free. Wow. I I had such contentment. I thought, you know what? This is the strangest path to freedom. And that's where I came up with the title. That's awesome. And I presume we can get that on Amazon? Yes, you can get it on Amazon. You can also get it off my website if somebody wanted to, which Mm -hmm. is which is, uh, what is my website? It is freedomspeaker.com. Yeah. And then I also, I have some wonderful news. I'm very excited. I was notified, I think last week, by uh, Barnes & Noble in New York, New York, that the buyer who carries this type of a book, this subject, which Mm -hmm. it's really, it's really, my subject is not about my case. It's about mental freedom. But mm-hmm. anyway, anyway, they, they've decided to order some copies of the book for their store, for Barnes & Noble. And they said, for now, people can call their local Barnes & Noble bookstore and, and order it, you know, directly from their store. So, yeah, I don't know how it all works, but I'm really excited that Barnes & Noble is willing to take a chance on my book. And now what you get to do is visit all the Barnes & Nobles across the country and do a little reading on your book, right? right away I I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's going to be in every store right away because they're not doing this humongous order I think you know they're going to just go ahead and make some order but that's why they said for readers that are Barnes and Noble bookstore fans that just call your local Barnes and Noble and they'll they'll order it for you so, so that's audience, exciting. Yeah. That is exciting. So audience, there's another way to get a, uh, in touch with Holly is to uh, order her book at Barnes & Noble and take a read on the strange path to freedom. I think that sounds magnificent. Thank you, Holly, for that. And, you know, what are you doing now? 
Well, so what I'm doing now is I am on a speaking tour uh, with a national company for all of 2019 and then other, you know, companies or organizations that want me to speak. I fill in the gaps with that. I speak generally to white collar audiences, professionals, largely in real estate sector, mortgage, banking, title groups, they, because, you know, in any, any sector that deals with contracts and there's a lot of different uh, balls, you know, to be juggled or a lot of different people are involved in one transaction, mm-hmm. I would be a, a, a very good speaker for that. And I also, I love the inspirational audiences or the empowerment um, audiences. So those are those we have a lot of fun. We don't talk about real estate at all in those audiences. <laughs> That's no. where I really cut loose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So why did you decide to become a speaker? I mean, you had a successful real estate career before prison and, and now you're speaking. Uh, what what made you make that decision? Well, I think the decision was made <laughs> It it pulled me in. This is what happened. So when I was in prison, I had to go up on the little stage in the chapel. We all did. All the inmates had to participate. It wasn't just me. And there might be a question of the day that they might say, all right, Pazoot, you're going to talk about your your life philosophy. And you have three (laughs) minutes. I'm thinking life philosophy. I don't have a life philosophy. I'm thinking, who's got, you know, they just want you to think. Right. And so, so I was able to do these things, and the women would say that loved it when I was speaking. They said, "You make us laugh. You make us cry. You make us think." And so I started thinking to myself, "Well, if I can make twelve hundred inmates <laughs> like me." <laughs> <laughs> but these were women from all different walks of life, educated, not educated, you know, all across the board, across the United States, all, all sectors. And they were so complimentary. They were actually encouraging. When I came home, I thought, you know, I, I don't mind being on a stage at all. And I have a message and I'm no longer a real estate agent. I had to surrender my license. And so that's what I did. But now the the real question you asked is, you know, wh- why do I do it? That's how I became it. Mm-hmm. But why? The real why? This is the hard one. I, when I speak to the audiences, Linda, I really don't care about the people in the audience. You know what I care about? I care about their kids, their uh-huh families. Because I told my kids, I said, the the decisions we make today not only affect us, but see, they affect everybody in our lives. And the ones that we care the most about are the ones that love us. And when I was at that prison gate and I looked at my three children's eyes, because I was their, their hero, I saw and the pain was so hor- was so deep. So I said, you know what, this is my secret little way in my own little way of giving back. So audiences, you'll think about stuff because you don't want to go to prison and do that to your kids or your your 88-year-old father or your sister. 
it's just so hard on the families that are left behind. Mm-hmm. So that's um, that's my real why. I think that's that uh, that is so. I want to say deep and and passionate. <laughs> it's, no, but truly, really, um, you know we. <laughs> You know, we as leaders uh, step into movements, be it you know bringing literacy to the poor areas of town, bringing books to the barrio, um, you know, bringing food to disadvantaged countries, bringing fresh water, all of that. And yes, we're doing it for the adults, but we're doing it for the generations that follow them um, to to set up that um, cycle of prosperity. For them, so that it can begin to, you know, the education can begin, the healthy living, that kind of thing. And I think that's where we we need to focus on our movements. Is if we're moving in that direction, I'm talking even about sexual abuse and that kind of thing. It's not necessarily my story that's important. I mean, it's 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 great that you know somebody says, "Wow, I I understand," but it's really to protect and educate the younger generation of what has happened, what can happen, and how do they avoid it? How do they make mm-hmm. break that cycle of abuse? I think that's that I think you're absolutely right that it's we care about the kids, the next generations, not so much our own. It's sort of like it's already happened here. How can I make sure it doesn't happen going forward, right? Right. Well and my kids for example, I have one, what, well, I have three kids. My youngest son told me, he, he's the one, he's kind of the people pleaser type mm-hmm. of person. When he was in college, he was try, He was on the football team, so he, his roommate would not wake up. He kept trying to wake his roommate up. Well, it's not my, it wasn't my son's responsibility to get this kid up if he can't wake up to his alarm clock. But my son, you know, was trying to help him. And what happened was, they ran late. They were on their way to take a final exam because his roommate would not wake up. Finally, by the time they got in the car and went to the class, they were locked out of the exam. Oh. And I said to my son, I said, you put yourself in harm's way at the risk of helping your roommate because you thought you were doing a good thing. He was your football buddy and so-and-so. But he's learned how dangerous that could be. So be, based on my journey, what happened to me, all three of my kids, they stick to the boundaries now. They are very, very careful. My daughter was asked to do something that was illegal at work. She said no. The person said, I'm your, I'm your boss. And she said, I don't care. I'm not doing it. It would be best for both of us. She gets out of uh, work and she called me shaking. She goes, I'm probably going to get fired. I said, if you get fired, it would be the best firing you could get. Well, she didn't get fired, but I was so proud of her. I said, I'm glad that you 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 did not straddle that line. And she said, Mom, after what happened to you, I- I'm not straddling any lines. And so. I think that, yeah, I think that's an important lesson that your children have learned and that our audience is now he- hearing. Stra- straddling that line is is an exercise in futility and disaster. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, You sit on the side of integrity at all times, right? Right, right. And what happens is when you straddle that line and you kind of do a little favor for somebody, Mm -hmm. then they've got you. 
Oh, yeah. They, they, they know. They go, oh, well, let me, I could probably do this. And let me see, you know, they've got you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some people are easily duped. And, you know, unfortunately, that was me at that time. But not now. I hope not. <laughs> I, I, I will just, I don't know what I'll stab myself <laughs> in the eye. <laughs> so do you have any specific advice? And, of course, I would love uh, at the end, uh, one tip that our audience can walk away with today and say, I'm going to do this. So advice, for, especially for those of us that are dealing with skeletons in our closet. Uh, <laughs> those wonderful yeah. things oh, to rattle around. You yes. mean, I, I'm not the only one. Well, see, I don't have any skeletons in my closet because they're all out. Nice. You know, pe- people say, Holly, not many people go to prison and want to come back and talk about it. They kind of want to, like, you know, get their record cleaned up. They don't want people to know. I said, no, because being true to who you are, that's another form of freedom. And, you know, if I can't be who I am, no one's going to be me for me. Right. And, and you know, I, I am, anyway, this is, that's, that's one of the big things That's for a soapbox me. you can get on, right? Yes, yes, exactly. I, I think something people have to be careful of, um, I, I don't think we always see other people for who they are. But I think sometimes we see people really based on who we are. Okay. And I think we have to be careful of of that. I think that had I looked at him more closely, I would have caught on. But I was so busy trying to be, be, you know, get approval and and not disappoint him and and silly things like that. It, It shouldn't have been about me in the first place. And so that's kind of what happened, you know, for, for me there. So I think that would be something to remember. And I also think that in the, in the pains of life is sometimes when the greatest gifts can be found. And that's, you know, what helped me get it out. The more I talked about it and got it out, I was surprised how many people came running towards me to share some of their stories. I guess I made it safe for them. You know, I wasn't perfect, you know, like, uh, you know, the, the last thing I would say is society teaches us what to advertise and to promote ourselves and to achieve great success and be wonderful leaders. But it doesn't give, it gives little encouragement for things like humility, vulnerability, honest self-reflection. And leaders have to do that too. And actually, I think that's probably more what leaders should be doing, especially around humility and... Uh, vulnerability and and all of those aspects. So Holly, I think you've given us some really great tips and a fabulous story um, and what you've learned from it. And I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you. I enjoyed it. And audience, if you'd like to connect with me more on the art of hurting cats, leading teams of leaders, as well as awaken the leader within, please do send me an email at Linda at dare the number two, leadwithlinda.com. And until next time, remember, be courageous and dare to lead. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to Leadership Stars. Please join Linda Patton for another engaging edition of our program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll feature another noted leader next week.